You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, if I wanted to watch Crazy, I'd just binge watch Love After Lockup. Not that I know what that show is. Well, alternatively, I watched The Mets, and after another wackaloon weekend, make it 79 days in a row in first place. A recap is coming, and boy, I hate that Lacey girl from Virginia Beach so much. She's just so manipulative. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. Don't get me started on Chevelle and Quaylen either. This is Josh Lewin. This is Mets in the Morning. Very glad you found us. Hope you've subscribed. Hope you've left a nice review and told your friends. Yeah, the Mets had another whirlwind weekend with players coming and going and managed to take two out of three against a very good Toronto team. So a question off the top before we get into the games. What would you have told your future self about this year's Mets? Oh, yeah, there's going to be a new owner, a fictional approach coach, a polar bear, a squirrel, a 41-year-old that calls himself Dick Mountain, and a stuffed horse. Friday came those two latest additions, Rich Hill and a horse. Rich Hill, not expected to be a horse in this rotation, more of a guy who can spin a curveball up there for five innings and get out of the way. Uh, He did fine in his Mets debut. As for the horse with no name, it was debuted by Pete Alonso Friday night. Uh, This was when he hit two home runs. You saw a polar bear riding a horse. And the question quickly became, what are we calling this thing? Horsey McHorseface? Uh, it's not easy to name a horse, I wouldn't think. It's like naming a boat. Actually, it is easy to name a boat. You call it the SSSS stuttering problem. There, you're welcome. But the home run horse, uh, I know it's not the Red Sox laundry cart or the Padres swag chain, but as the man said, a horse is a horse, of course, of course, and he, she, it may as well have a name. So, submitted but not approved, here comes Mookie, Seattle's Luis Guillorme, David Segibiscuit, but the final verdict, at least for now, is just the home run horse, which was the idea of hitting coach Hugh Quattlebaum. Remember, the Mets had hit just 88 home runs before the All-Star break, 26th in the majors, so it was not exactly rumpus time before the All-Star break, but things seem to be changing. Second most home runs in baseball since the break, so Now there's a stuffed toy horse that the equipment guys will have to pack up for every road trip, it appears. Hey, traditions have to start somewhere. At one point, one swallow returned to Capistrano, being the first to have ever done that. Now, of course, it's all the time. One day, there was just one cow who came home. Now they all do it. So uh, maybe the home run horse will be a staple of the franchise for decades to come, or maybe the guys will get bored by it and move on by about August 3rd. Getting back to the Rich Hill acquisition. Yes, Dick Mountain, his nickname for himself, not ours. Fascinating arc. Six years ago, a Long Island duck trying to save his career, and he did. He got back to the big leagues. He's now making slightly more than the 500 bucks a week he did as a duck. This season was 3.87 RA with Tampa Bay, although it had been kind of on the downslope the last seven starts, about five and a half. 17 big league seasons with postseason experience. Seven career NLCS and World Series appearances for the Dodgers in the last five years. 1.41 ERA in the postseason. That is worth throwing onto the roster. Hill wound up pitching Sunday. We will get to that in just a bit. But Friday's game, I thought, was a Tyler McGill show. 
You know, before the season, he ranked as the 21st best prospect by MLB.com. Now, half a dozen starts into his big league career, heat of a pennant race, 2.1 ERA, and he's dealing. Remember DeGrom, when he came up in 2014, was 20th on the prospect list. He was behind Gabriel Anoa, Jack Leathersitch, Corey Mazzoni, and Domingo Tapia, to name a few. McGill in the bullpen Friday with a 3-0 shutout. McGill becoming the first Mets rookie to have back-to-back scoreless starts since Steven Matz, the opposing Toronto starter, on the Friday night. Mets at that point, back-to-back shutouts, uh, rolling one over from Cincinnati. Had not allowed a run in 19 innings. Mets' first shutout of Toronto since 01 at Shea. And the Mets improved to 13-1 all-time at home against the Blue Jays. It's like Navy at Notre Dame in college football. Or in the NFL, where the Lions once lost 24 straight times in Green Bay. The one Toronto win in Flushing had been a doozy three years ago. They won 12-1. Mets avoiding the shutout in the ninth on Tomas Nito's second big, league, uh, second big league home run. But the big righty McGill, McGill a gorilla, anyone? He's allowed one or no runs in four of his first six career starts. Jim McAndrew out of Lost Nation, Iowa, the only other Met to have done that. Fourth best ERA in Mets history through this many starts, topped only by Terry Leach, Nolan Ryan, and Dylan G. Very weird list right there. Oh, and McGill got his first career hit in that game, too, off of Mets, who you might remember was quite the hitting star first time we ever saw him. Grandpa Burt jumping around and all that. So I started thinking while watching McGill, where have I seen this guy before? You know that gnawing feeling when something reminds you of something else, but you can't quite pin it down? That happened for me when Coldplay released that Vita La Vida song 10 years ago. I'm like, where have I heard this before? And it turns out that song was just Take On Me by Aha with a cello. And if you don't believe me here, wait, let me blow your mind. I can't play the real versions because of copyrights and whatnot, but I can noodle around on the keyboard here. Here. See, I'm not wrong here. I, I know it's a little out there, but... Right? Right? All right. I, okay. That, that's enough. I got... Yeah. Anyway, in that vein, is maybe McGill a reboot of a healthy Mike Pelfrey? Big right-hander, 6'7", righty out of a good college program, one out of Wichita State, one from Arizona. Pelfrey, of course, only skimmed the surface of what was expected. He was a first-round pick taken ahead of Andrew McCutcheon, among others. He was the opening-day starter for the Mets 10 years ago. But mainly due to injuries, his big league record for his career, 68-103. and uh, Not a dissimilar repertoire, although McGill throws the slider instead of the curve. Very similar body. But again, the major difference, one guy was the number 9 overall pick, the other was number 230. And just for giggles... You know who was the number 295 overall pick by the Mets 56 years ago? A righty named Nolan Ryan. True fact. Anyhow, you got 3 nothing Mets on Friday. Saturday, not quite as fun. Uh, Taiwan Walker with his second rough start in a row. Three home runs allowed, having allowed just one in 47 innings at City Field coming in. Teoscar Hernandez, Marcus Simeon, George Springer all taking Walker deep. Springer also made the catch of the year with a Superman dive and left center to Rob Brandon Nimmo. And yeah, Walker's a bit of a concern all of a sudden. April and May at a 184 ERA, a 211 opposing slugging percentage. Now in June and July, it's a 516 ERA, a 460 
opposing slugging percentage. He's got to correct that soon because his next start is coming against Atlanta. We won't spend a lot of time on the Saturday game. This was kind of the Jan Brady game of the weekend, the forgettable middle child. But James McCann keeps hitting lefties, which is great. He, he was up against Hunjin Ryu, making it, by the way, the first ever game in Flushing where the two starters both wear number 99 on the mound. Two hits for McCann, meaning his batting average against lefties this year is now 330. Dom Smith is hitting 330 against lefties, which is terrific since he himself is a lefty. Luis Guillorme, two for four in that game, hitting 371 in July. Mets actually had 14 hits Saturday, but never did get to ride the home run horse. Uh, only two doubles to go with 12 singles. 10-3 loss to knock their record down to 51-44. and 44. So, let's go to Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Rich Hill on the uh, himself. And remember six years ago, this guy was a struggling minor leaguer. He was a side armor in the Nationals organization when he asked them to release him because he wanted to reinvent himself as a starter with a traditional over-the-top delivery. Former Mets GM Jared Porter, then the Red Sox director of pro scouting, helped him do that, suggested he stand on the third base side of the rubber. was one of the big adjustments. So after all that, Long Island Ducks and all, here he is. First time the Mets have had a player 40 or older on the roster since Bartolo Colon. Hill is older than several members of the Mets coaching staff, including his manager, including his pitching coach. Wearing 21, first pitcher to wear that for the Mets since Bobby M. Jones about 20 years ago, and the oldest lefty to make his Mets pitching debut as a starter since Hall of Famer Warren Spahn in 1965. When you knew that going forward the Mets were going to need a lot of bullpen coming up, how about 49 pitches to get through the first five innings? No runs allowed, despite not a single swing and miss. Five innings, no swings and misses. Jacob deGrom sometimes gets three and one at bat, but a mesmerizing mix of slow curves and 85-mile-an-hour fastballs was getting it done. He was zipping right through. The Mets had taken the lead in the second. J.D. Davis had doubled the left, and the former Blue Jay, Jonathan VR, singled him in. So it stayed one nothing into the top of the sixth, and then third time through the order, you can almost see this one coming. The storm clouds gathering on the horizon. Springer gets hit by a pitch. Vlad Guerrero Jr. sends one up the right center alley to get Springer to third. Guerrero held to first because of a great play by Nimmo. Simeon walks. Now you got nobody out, bases loaded. Lugo is summoned. Five shutout innings at that point for Hill. Again, zero swings and misses. But scattering five hits, he left to a very nice ovation. Lugo, two straight scoreless outings after that unspooling in Pittsburgh when he allowed the five runs in one inning. He gets Bo Bichette, who ropes an 0-2 curve in a center. And Toronto takes a 2-1 to one lead. Hated the pitch selection, hated the execution, to be honest. The Mets lead the majors in lowest OBP allowed with two strikes, but didn't quite work out right there. Lugo then induced a double play ball, but J.D. Davis, for some reason, came home with it instead of shooting it around the horn. He threw it too late to home plate, so they got nobody out, and it's 3-1 to one Toronto. Thankfully, from there, Lugo finds his way out of it, and then boom, bottom of the inning, Conforto walks, and up comes Pete Alonzo. Now the payoff pitch. Swing and a drive to left. Well hit. It's on the way. And this game is tied. Pete Alonzo with a line drive. Home run into the lower left field stands. Number 22 for Alonzo. The second time in this series that he's homered against Ryan Barucki. He windmills his arm around as he comes around third base and crosses home plate with his 22nd homer of the year, and the Mets have tied the game 3-3. Three to three. Howie Rose with the call on WCBS. Ride the pony. 
Alonzo batting 385 since the All-Star break. The home run derby does not seem to have affected his swing. Just seems to have made him more confident. And in fact, for all eight home run derby participants, their week after, a combined 23-point bump in batting average, 14-point bump in slugging percentage. Home run derby's killing seasons may well be fake news. From here, another rally begins, punctuated by a two-run pinch double from Jeff McNeil. We'll hear from him in a bit. Mets go up 5-3 with Squirrel following Polar Bear. McNeil's hit streak now at a career-best 12. So that was the action inning Sunday, the 6th. Toronto with three in the top. Mets punch back with four in the bottom. The back third of the game, Toronto adding a run in the eighth, threatening for more. Bases loaded one out, but May and Loop escape. Edwin Diaz, who had blown three saves on a row before Friday, Top of the order in the top of the ninth. Guerrero walks with one out to make it sweat, but Diaz finds that zigzagging slider, strikes out Simeon, gets the final out from there, and the Mets have their win. After it was over, the pinch hit hero Jeff McNeil met the media. He had gotten it done against former Met Jacob Barnes. Um, the first pitch threw me his changeup, but actually um, thought it was a pretty good pitch to hit. I uh, wasn't trying to do too much with it. You know, I was just trying to shoot to the left side because they were shifting me there. Um, but missed it, and um, you know he gets down, he gets me, yeah, down 2 and then it's just you know battle mode. Um, I think threw me four straight changeups, so um, you know it was something um, you know I was seeing well. You know, last time I saw pretty well, and you know was able to put a good swing on it, and uh, you know found a gap. How are you feeling physically right now? Were you just available for a, a pinch hit today? Do you think you'll be able to to play the field tomorrow? Yeah, um, available to pinch hit, um, and then tomorrow. Uh, I think as of right now, you know, I'm not playing, so, um, you know, should be should be good from here on out. The Mets playing their 36th one-run game of the year already, and the big reason they won it was McNeil off the bench. And uh, Toronto, by the way, just for example, has played 16 one-run games. The Mets are cornering the market on those bad boys. All right, close one, close series. They take it two games out of three. Luis Rojas talked to reporters after it was done. What made you decide in this situation that, uh, you wanted to pinch it, Jeff, in that spot. Well, we're, we've been we've been very aggressive. I mean, we 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 have talked about that, but we've been very aggressive making that move. We've done it in the past. We've done McCann for Nito. Um, you know, we see a lefty that we think McCann is a better matchup, and in this case, we have McNeil ready to go. Like we we said before the game, and that was the right matchup. We thought uh, him against Barnes with some traffic, two outs, and uh, and you know, he paid, paid off really well, but. We, we, we have to be aggressive, and you know the most important game is the one we're playing. So we had, we had to make a move at that point the way we did it, and like we, we'll do it again. What do you see in Pete's at-bats, not, not just in this particular streak, but when he goes on these types of tears that we've seen out of him before? Well, he's more quiet, I think. Um, he's staying back well, um, and I think he's seeing the ball better. You know, he's able to lay off some pitches. He's on time with the fastball. He's able to stop and see some uh, hangers, take advantage like the one today, like, like the one today uh, from Baruki. Uh, I think it's the second one he hits up for him right in three days. Um, but <clears throat> this is that's what he's doing. I mean, the quieter he is, the less movement. I mean, I think the better he sees the ball, and uh, you know, he's able to to launch. So that's what he's doing. He's repeating it. He's very confident right now. Uh, I don't know if the the derby had played played a role in it, you know, but. You know, he's very, very confident right now. So the Mets record now 52-44. and 44. They've gone 5-4 and four since the All-Star break. They've stayed pretty much right where they are, ahead of the pack. Will they make another trade these next few days? Well, first, there were a couple roster moves of note over the weekend besides Rich Hill, who was dealt for Tommy Hunter and a minor league catcher. Hunter, remember, on the 60-day IL. 
Uh, Fargus was claimed off waivers by the Cubs. David Peterson was transferred to the 60-day with a fracture of the fifth metatarsal on his right foot. And you're saying, wait a minute, wasn't he on the IL with an oblique thing? Yes. Uh, he was walking through the clubhouse after getting treatment for the injured oblique, felt something pop. Turns out it was a Jones fracture, like what Kevin Durant had for the Nets. Only a New York Met could get injured while already on the IL. Happened to Jerry Blevins a few years ago, too, stepping off a curb in Manhattan. Brandon Jury up from AAA. Nick Trapiano option to AAA. Stephen Agostic onto the 10-day IL with right shoulder inflammation, of course. Jared Eikhoff is elected free agency, so it's a send-off for Eikhoff and his 4.96 ERA. Mets also traded cash to Cincinnati for an outfielder, Mark Payton, who was then assigned to Syracuse, one-time seventh-round pick of the Yankees. Never did make it to the Bronx, but did make the majors with the Reds last year. Hit just 175. Also from Sunday, Jacob deGrom threw off a mound, reported no issues. That's great. We haven't seen him pitch since July 7th. Plan is for him to go out on a rehab assignment, so hopefully he'll be good to go in a week or a week and a half. So what's next? Are you trading for more pitching? And if so, who are you getting? The Rangers' Kyle Gibson was an all-star, but he didn't get out of the first inning in his start for Texas over the weekend. And how much of an upgrade is he? The Angels have Alex Cobb and Andrew Heaney. The Cubs have Zach Davies. The Twins have some guys, uh, including, of course, Barrios. Everybody's talking about Jose Barrios. So who do the Twins want that you're willing to give up? And the 11 other teams asking about Barrios, uh, is it not possible their minor leaguers might be better? The Mets minor leaguers, remember the Mets worked hard to keep their best prospects in the Lindor trade. Everybody loves the third base prospect, Brett, uh, Brett Beatty, who had the four for four night with three extra base hits Saturday night, by the way. Everyone loves the catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Ronnie Mauricio is a piece, but the Mets are not Tampa Bay deep or San Diego deep with minor league talent. Would the Mets consider trading bats off their major league roster? They've been open to moving J.D. Davis. Would they go further than that with McNeil or Dom Smith? Remember, Robinson Cano, in theory, returns next year. There are suggestions the Mets should try to get Trevor Story or Javi Baez to play short until Lindor returns, and you just move Story or Baez somewhere else. But Colorado has said it's going to get a fair return, or there's no deal for Story. And by the way, of 138 qualified hitters, Story's OPS Plus this year is 114th. He is not having a great year. Baez, very charismatic, but leads the majors in strikeouts and is second among shortstops in errors. Chris Bryant, if his hamstring's okay, uh, well, there, there was a Cubs fan over the weekend handing out 40 Chris Bryant Cubs jerseys for everyone in his section to show support of keeping him, not trading him. I don't know if Bryant's going to be moved. Anything can happen during these next five days, that's for sure. The agonies and the ecstasies lie ahead both on the field and off. Coming up in the next four days, five games with Brian Snitker's Braves, who have been hovering near the Mets all year. Best nugget I can give you on Brian Snitker in the opening scene of Bull Durham. Check the baseball cards on the dresser mirror of Susan Sarandon. First one you'll see is Brian Snitker as a Durham Bull. Incredibly, his team has yet to spend a day above 500 here in 21, but even without Acuna now, without Ozuna and Travis Darno. And without a lot of their pitching, four games back as they arrive tonight for a 5 p.m. single admission doubleheader. Of course, the current Mets killer from Atlanta taking the mantle from Chipper Jones, last year's MVP, Freddie Freeman. And since snapping a 2-for-32 with a 4-for-4 at the Mets back in June, he's hitting 440 since then. He just had a stretch of 25 plate appearances, 138 pitches 
without a swing and a miss. Amazing. Ozzie Albies leads the league in doubles. Jock Peterson has been added. Strowman in game one of the doubleheader. It's TBA in game two. TBA tomorrow as well. As every person on Love After Lockup likes to say, it is what it is. Again, not that I ever watch. Of note, this homestand after the Braves, the black jerseys return on Friday. 7-10 game against Cincinnati. Lindor, black jersey t-shirts to the first 12,000 fans. Saturday, finally, the long-awaited Mets Hall of Fame induction of John Matlack, Eduardo Alfonso, and Ron Darling. Adding members to the Hall of Fame for the first time since 2013, since Mike Piazza went in. Ceremonies will go at quarter of seven. We'll talk much more about the inductees as we get closer to the weekend. So, as we get out of here, the Mets having taken two of three, let's thank the Mets in the Morning House Band. Great job, fellas. On keyboards, Travis Tyrone, slapping at the bass, Terry Blocker, the horn section, give it up for Rod Barajas, and kicking that downbeat on the drums, Omir Santos. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks again for listening. I'm at Josh Lewin Stuff on Twitter if you need me. Until tomorrow, once again, the final score from Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. It was the Mets 5, Toronto 4. Peace. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.